Ask the MP. Ask the, the MP. right honorable is in the hot seat. Ask the MP. Ask the MP. With, with Farai on CFM Stereo. Welcome to Ask the MP. My name is Perfect Shongwani. Welcome to ZFM Stereo, my station, your station. For those who want uh, to uh, be part of the uh, program, in Arari, you can get us on uh, 106.4, Amutari 95.4, Mashingo 96.1, Victoria Falls 106.5, and those in Chivo 99.8, and uh, in Baitbridge 106.1. Tonight on the program, I'm standing in for Farai Makutuya. This is Ask the MP. And uh, remember, the program is brought to you in conjunction with the Southern African Parliamentary Support Trust. Today or tonight on the program, I have uh, in the studio from Southern African Parliamentary Support Trust, Mr. Philip Muziri. He is uh, the program advisor from that organization. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. Good evening, Zimbabwe. Yes, and uh, I have also in the studio Agency Gumbo. He is a legal pra- practitioner, local legal practitioner. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, as we start, let me begin with uh, Mr. Muziri. But before I ask you that question, let me also remind our listeners that those who want to uh, be part of this uh, program, uh, either by sending in questions, comments, uh, you are free to do so on our WhatsApp number, which is 0731 yeah, we know that uh, the ninth parliament has been sworn in. Uh, members from various uh, constituencies have uh, taken their oath, and uh, they will be starting Basarawa today. Kwa kunema elections uh, at uh, Parliament Building, where the Speaker of the National Assembly was uh, elected, and uh, we will be talking about uh, all those issues in uh, tonight's program. And regarding the tanga ziri, what is the role of Parliament? Uh, that is both uh, the National Assembly and uh, Senate. And uh, also give us a brief break, uh, breakdown of the composition of uh, Parliament, especially the Ninth Parliament. Thank you very much. Um, in terms of the roles and functions, uh, Parliament traditionally has three roles, which are uh, the lawmaking function or the legislative function, the representative function, uh, as well as the executive oversight. And um, in respect of the legislative function, it is the, the role of parliament to make laws. And uh, in respect of the executive oversight, it is parliament that oversees and supervises how the executive uh, um, you know, implements its policies insofar as they are um, the subject of parliamentary uh, oversight. Then in terms of the representative function, uh, members of parliament in their individual and collective uh, capacity represent uh, their constituents, uh, represent those that voted them into office, those that did not vote, and those that voted against them in, 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 in legislative elections. So they play uh, a critical function in that regard. Mm-hmm. In terms of the breakdown, uh, the National Assembly, is uh, 270 members, that is the 210 
members that are elected directly by constituents. Then you have the 60 uh, women in this particular parliament to make them 270 parliament. But this is the last parliament in terms of the 2013 constitution in which we have those 60 additional women who were meant to balance the gender mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. dimension of parliament. The Senate has uh, 80 members uh, elected by uh, uh, proportional representation. That is the 60 uh, that are elected by proportional representation plus the uh, the, the 16 traditional leaders as well as the two uh, members representing those with uh, disability and uh, the uh, leadership of the House, that is the President of the Senate and the Deputy. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, agency, let's uh, uh, come to you. We want to look at uh, uh, the, the, the role of Parliament, uh, both the lower and the upper house. Um, from a legal point of view? Well, I think uh, one of the most fundamental roles of Parliament, and, uh, you know, we can only realize it through looking at the Constitution itself. Uh, Parliament, uh, the legislature is established in terms of uh, Chapter 6 of the Constitution, uh, 116, Chapter, uh, Section 116, 117. Mm -hmm. And the role is also clearly enunciated in that, in that uh, particular section, and it is to protect and safeguard the Constitution. So the most fundamental role that every parliamentary carries, uh, every parliamentarian carries rather, is that of protecting the Constitution of the land and also uh, maintaining, uh, you know, putting together laws that maintain the peace and order and security of the nation. So, I mean... As, 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 as my brother here has indicated, he has also made mention of their uh, role as an oversight institution. The Constitution also makes it very clear that every government agency is accountable to Parliament. And as a result, Parliament should be seen uh, acting as an oversight for every parastatal and every uh, commission that we have in the country. And we, we saw some of these uh, roles being taken into action in the 8th Parliament yeah. where, you know, the Parliamentary Portfolio Committees took most parastatals and most ministers and even uh, you know, several people who are in high levels of authority to task about their actions and to task about even how they conducted themselves during the course and term of uh, their office. Mm -hmm. And uh, Speaking of the 8th <coughs> Parliament uh, Agency, uh, what would you say are the major achievements and uh, probably also touch on the impediments uh, of the eighth parliament okay i will say the first uh, uh thing that we have to also consider is their major mandate as the eighth parliament and their major mandate was that of aligning uh the laws to the new constitution or rather the 2013 constitution mm -hmm. and as such if we are to measure their success we have to measure it with regards how much of these laws we are made in alive to the constitution and i've got to say that as a legal practitioner there is a commendable effort on their part in as far as the quantity uh, of uh, you know amendments they managed to uh, successfully put in place mm -hmm. yes we know over 75 percent of the statutes that required amendment have been amended though yes there were uh, some impediments in that regards because i mean it took an abnormally long time for us to be where we are today in as far as uh, alignment is concerned more could have been done by the eighth parliament in as far as ensuring that every piece of law every piece of legislation in this country is 
within the bounds of the constitution of Zimbabwe. I'll talk of an impediment quickly here that yeah. is uh, with regards to their oversight role and oversight duty. Mm -hmm. You realize that there were major complaints that were registered by the public and also by parliamentarians mm -hmm. with regards to the attendance of ministers in parliament. parliament yes. You realize that it also he, it also affects the oversight role of parliament because it is these government ministers who are supposed to come and give feedback to parliament with regards to certain policy issues uh, in their respective ministries. And in the 8th parliament, we know our ministers were notorious for not attending parliament for one reason or the other. And uh, it is our hope also as the public that in this coming parliament, ministers understand that when they come to parliament, they are coming to Zimbabwe. When they come to talk to our parliamentarians, they are talking to us, the citizens, who are being represented by the said parliamentarians. So I, th I think that was a major impediment and I think government should look into that and work into that. Parliament should be able to enforce the attendance of ministers. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Mr. Muziri, let's uh, also uh, focus on the 8th Parliament the achievements and uh, but uh, of particular interest in IMA portfolio committees that he raises could, uh, the 8th Parliament uh, a lot of noise in so far as my, my, my committees are concerned Vajita uh, bring uh, before them my, my, my high level uh, officials mm -hmm. What do you think needs to be done to make sure that, because in the 8th Parliament we saw, for instance, uh, ministers who did not turn up when they were uh, summoned. Mm -hmm. What do you think needs to be done to make sure that uh, the, 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 the committees have teeth? Okay. Uh, well, uh, the committees do actually have teeth <clears throat> because Parliament um, has uh, the same powers as a court uh, in, in implementing its rules. So um, even with regard to the last parliament, um, they could have uh, dealt with those ministers that were um, banking parliament mm -hmm. because the constitution actually enjoins ministers to attend parliament. It's, it's, it's part of the, the constitution. Yeah. And, and the rules of parliament, the standing orders also make provision to, to, to actually enforce uh, you know, the powers of parliament to uh, compel people to appear before it be they government ministers uh, or members of the public because uh, parliament can enforce its its rules what it will need to then do is to ensure that its rules are obeyed mm -hmm. by all um, people that are subject to it because the constitution says all um, all government agencies uh, at every level are subject to the powers of parliament and that includes government ministers so parliament can actually enforce its rules and and it has uh, previously sent uh, some of its membership to to prison just to demonstrate that it has that uh, kind of compelling power yeah so if that the the eighth parliament did not do that is it an indication that there was compliance not necessarily because we actually saw some government ministers uh you know literally uh thumbing the nose of of, of parliament and 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 with some level of impunity and and parliament can in fact uh set up uh, privileges uh, committees mm -hmm. in order to investigate where members uh, of the public or government officials uh refuse or you know decline to abide by its uh, its, its instructions and this uh it 
may not have done in the last parliament but we hope that um it will be able to to discharge this this, this power in order to ensure that uh the, the respect that the institution is held by members of the public is not uh, undermined by those that it is supposed to preside over mm -hmm. agency committees the, the, the what do you think should be done why 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 is it that we did not see uh, the eighth parliament Ichita take uh, take my ministers who who went against what they were saying uh, to court for instance well i think there there is need to fix the balance mm -hmm. uh, of priorities in our country in as far as politics and the constitution yeah. is concerned because in as far as parliament and its various committees having teeth i will tell you that as, as what is constitutionally provided and what is there within uh, the rules of procedure and the like of parliament Parliament can actually do like what my, 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 my learned brother here was saying. Parliament can actually, uh, you know, take certain punitive measures yeah. against its members. But we also now have a challenge where uh, our politicians and our parliamentarians consider their party position more than they consider the import, importance and significance of the constitution. Mm -hmm. As long as we uphold our various partisan principles, it becomes very difficult to understand how the effectiveness of the constitution of the country. Yeah. I will tell you this one thing. If you, a parliamentary portfolio committee endears itself towards protecting the constitution and endears itself towards maintaining the law and the rule of law in the country. It becomes easy for them to say, regardless of who is seated in front of us and regardless of who we are interrogating or investigating, the agenda and the goal is to satisfy the demands and the needs of the constitution. So now you have a challenge where the chairperson of the parliamentary portfolio committee is probably investigating uh, his secretary for legal affairs from his I'm just saying it as an example. Mm -hmm. Or he's probably, you know, uh, you know, interrogating and investigating his vice president from his political party. So it becomes very difficult for them because they are more loyal to their party structure and hierarchy than they are loyal to the constitution. Mm -hmm. So the advice, if we were to give any to this coming parliament, yes. to the ninth parliament, is that know that when you sit in parliament and you're a parliamentarian, you are there to represent, number one, the people of Zimbabwe, and most importantly, to protect the constitution. So your boss before the chief whip, your boss before the speaker of parliament, your boss before whoever you report to in your party structure, when you are in parliament, your boss is the constitution. Mm -hmm. And your major role should be to protect that constitution, even if it means uh, exposing your boss as corruption or exposing your boss to even imprisonment. Mm, ask the MP is the program. And uh, we are live uh, uh, from Newlands where we have uh, Mr. Philip Muziri, a program advisor from uh, Southern African Parliamentary Support Trust. And remember, this program is brought to you in conjunction uh, with uh, Southern African Parliamentary Support Trust. And also, we have uh, in the studio lawyer agency Gumbo, where we are discussing expectations for the ninth parliament. You are free to call in. You are free to send in your WhatsApp uh, comments, questions, uh, on uh, WhatsApp number 0731-168-045 Kote Munge Muchiti Paoma Expectations Aminao eh, On the 9th Parliament Ya Mkabwa Kugatwa Mazomashumanene Apfura Now eh, uh, Mr. Muziri Advocate Mudenda eh, Has been retained as the Speaker of the National Assembly uh, 
what is your comment you will be there until 2023 right yes what's your comment uh, on that well i'd forget mdenda has been uh, in that uh, role in the uh-huh. past uh, five years yes so over that period he has gained uh, a lot of experience in handling the affairs of parliament uh, he has uh, uh, seen a lot of work done uh, he has been an inf- a very effective speaker uh, he is respected across the political divide yeah. and that is important and 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 i think there's a, a lot of work that uh, the eighth parliament had started uh, to realign a number of statutes to the constitution which my learned friend made reference to and which has not yet been completed and yeah. advocate mdenda was on record as you know encouraging stakeholders to actually bring bef- uh, before parliament and to s- make submissions that related to the uh, alignment of several statutes to 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 the the constitution mm-hmm. uh so i i think he has uh, a lot on his plate and um he has an opportunity to carry forward the projects that he started that need to be attended and addressed mm-hmm. uh, but from uh, uh, subst um looking at uh, parliament from uh, a distance mm-hmm. uh, you 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 what do you think uh, in terms of uh, alignment yema laws do you think the eighth parliament did well well um i i think um looking at experiences from other jurisdictions um there may have been a need to actually time frame the process to say that you know yeah. during we need to have done so much by such a, a period that's what other jurisdictions have done because there's always a lot of work when you have a new constitution in place mm-hmm. uh we did not as a country do that the the, the 2013 constitution did not provide a realignment timetable and that gave the executive a blank check yeah. uh because most of our legislation is driven by by the executive and without an enforcement mechanism to ensure that every piece of legislation was addressed within the five-year period that left some critical pieces of legislation uh, unaddressed and that also explains a lot of uh, uh, petitions that came to parliament from other stakeholders uh, not the executive which raised a number of uh, issues that they believed could have been addressed by the eighth parliament but were not addressed by the time that parliament uh, stem of office uh, came to an end so so i i think there's a lot of work before the ninth parliament <laughs> to ensure that we do not continue to have realignment as a subject of discussion we must yeah. put it before us you know behind uh you know having addressed all those pieces of legislation because like my learned friend says the constitution is supreme and parliament's key role is to ensure that it upholds uh, the constitution and if we still have some pieces of legislation uh, that are not yet addressed it, it, it's 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 a blot on on the performance of parliament i'll take for instance the issue of marriages 2016 we have a con a constitutional court judgment yes. which said child marriages are unconstitutional and unenforceable but up to now 2018 we still have 
you know the the marriage uh, legal framework unaddressed by by parliament mm. so uh, it, it is not as if parliament you know the zimbabwe is not is is not acceded to international agreements that relate to some of these things so there's a lot of work what it means is there's a lot of work before parliament ninth parliament is inheriting each query yes. in terms of aligning my laws oh, yeah. that's that's what you're saying yes so what will be the the, the ideal time frame uh, because you're saying we can't we can't really continue to be talking about alignment alignment we, we need to be focusing on other things <laughs> what will be the ideal time frame for them to say okay we have aligned the laws the ideal timetable is yesterday because the constitution <laughs> okay. says any any piece of legislation that is inconsistent with it yeah. is invalid right. to the extent of the inconsistency yes. so if we have any laws that are not consistent with the constitution they are invalid, invalid yeah. and why should they continue to be on our statute books mm -hmm. agency who qualifies uh, to be speaker well this is this is normally subject to to the constitution yeah uh which give us which gives us clearly uh the type of person that must be elected as a speaker of parliament yes and i <laughs> just want to make a quick reference here to, to the constitution i'm, I'm a man yeah. of the law so i'll make a quick reference here <laughs> to the constitution uh -huh. it's, uh, section one one uh -huh. one one seven okay so that we don't we don't we don't speak from uh, from our own from our own minds when we have a, a constitution mm -hmm. Yeah, because you see, I'm asking that question so that we are clear. People may think that it's only those who are elected to as uh, uh, parliamentarians who then are elected as a speaker, or anyone else is uh, is qualified to to do that. Whilst uh, he's uh, uh, going to the reference point. Uh, let me say that uh, those who are in Kariba, you can uh, get us on 105.3, Bait Bridge, uh, 106.1, Motorashanga uh, 97.6, and our uh, number for uh, messages, questions, comments, and uh, your expectations for the ninth parliament. You can send in your WhatsApp on 0731168045. This is Ask the MP. Yes. So the Speaker of Parliament the, is, is provided for there by Section 126 of the Constitution of Zimbabwe. Yeah. Uh, which provides basically uh, for the office of the Speaker of the National Assembly and how he's elected into office. Yeah. And when you look at the qualifications that they are, are expected to have naturally, wow. other than the fact of being voted into by a majority of parliament, there is the element of the capacity to understand legislative procedure yes. and also understand the procedures of parliament itself. So what that simply then means is that uh, the names that will be forwarded by the various political parties for the Speaker of Parliament are of those of people that have been with parliament before because they've got to understand how parliament parliamentary because they are the custodians of parliamentary parliamentary procedure they are also the ones who are responsible for adjudicating the discourse and the debates and the various motions that are set uh, forward in parliament so the one most uh, significant uh, aspect is that they've got to be people that have been with parliament before it can't be a new parliamentarian because then it be, it, it becomes very difficult for them to 
to adjudicate the process uh, of debate in Parliament. Mm -hmm. And uh, now let's let's uh, uh, focus on uh, on the ninth Parliament and say, what will be your expectations for for the ninth Parliament? Which issues would you want to see top of the agenda? Uh, in, in, in the ninth uh, parliament. Right. So the ninth parliament comes in at a time where Zimbabwe is going through a serious economic crisis. Mm -hmm. It comes in at a time where there is very there is significant need for Zimbabwe to re-engage itself uh, with the partners that it had lost in the past mm -hmm. for purposes of advancing the economic uh, development agenda of the country. So they are burdened with the need of ensuring the existence of laws that secure investment in the country, that guarantee free market trades in the country, and also ensuring that the company act itself is, uh, is, is, is amazing and it, uh, it, uh, it also abides to internationally recognized standards. So this is their major issue. I think the economy is going to be one of the significant aspects that they have to tackle. Now, corruption also comes in when you talk of the economy because you cannot talk of economic emancipation and you let, let go the issue of corruption. So their oversight role as a parliament is going to come in handy. Those portfolio committees, the culture that we saw at the end or at the close of the eighth parliament has got to be continued. The culture of interrogating government businesses, the culture of interrogating tenders, the culture of interrogating even the decisions that ministers make in order to ensure that whatever decisions they make are beneficial to the economic development agenda of the country and they are also beneficial to the economic emancipation agenda uh, of the country. And most importantly, that they work within the confines of the constitution to ensure peace and uh, security for the nation. Mm -hmm. uh, Subst, uh, obviously you have uh, issues that you want to see uh, being talked about, being tackled in the, the ninth parliament. Well, um, I'll just continue in the uh, line that my colleague has uh, referred to. Mm -hmm. uh, we are a member of the International Community of Nations yes. and therefore um, we need to uh, introspect and see what it is that drove our friends away. What can we do to, uh, you know, attract those friends again? Capital is a coward. We cannot pretend that everyone is falling uh, over each other in order to invest in Zimbabwe. We need to address the factors that can, you know, attract that investment. Mm -hmm. We also need to, you know, examine uh, all the pieces of legislation that have caused uh, you know conflict in our country yeah. uh, those issues that uh, stakeholders have continued to knock parliament as those uh, about uh, what are those issues and see if there's merit in stakeholder you know submissions that we need this or that reform and 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 and, and make decisions on what we can what we should and what we need to do as a country in order to move forward um, because um, we need to be part of the international community of nations if we are to develop as you know as the government has said that we need to transform this economy into a middle income economy that takes a lot of uh, issues a lot of uh, you know introspection and 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 and, and reform yes. so we need to do quite a lot the the ninth parliament is its hands full yes introspection reform uh, I just spoke about corruption, economic development. Now, uh, are you happy with uh, uh, the number of uh, parliamentarians we have in this country vis-a-vis uh, -vis the population 
or the size of the country and uh, also the structure of parliament where you have uh, a bicameral system well um that question is beyond uh me as an individual what i like and what i do not like uh is neither here nor there zimbabweans in their generality said this is what we want so what we need to focus on is what we you know the parliament uh, as an institution has to achieve within the time that it has to do you know uh it's it's work the five-year period um the 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 number of committees it, it has to make you know effective uh, committees uh, effective structures effective systems that ensure that members can excel members can discharge their duties functionally well um, questions of course are asked how effective is a bicameral versus a unicameral parliament but uh, I, I think you know that will be an academic exercise because the people said in 2013 that is what we want so we need to just ensure that we make this institution effective and you know uh, you know so, so that it achieves what parliament must uh, achieve within the five-year lifespan that it has mm -hmm. you, you agency you seem to want to add on that well i actually am concurring uh, with my brother here because at the end of the day it is the will of the people that must uh, you know take the day it is the will of the people that they expressed through, uh, you know, voting yes for this constitution that must be protected. And it is also the will of the people through uh, the vote that they cast for their members of parliament who are now in parliament that must take the day. And the most important thing is for parliament to be able to execute the expectations of uh, their constituents. The most important thing is for parliament to be able to execute their roles and their function and their duties as, uh, you know, properly pronounced in our constitution so the debate of uh, whether we should have more or less parliamentarians is neither here nor there and i think it's not significant uh, for the phase and time that we are at as zimbabwe mm -hmm. uh, you know I think you know we should we should also commend the efforts of the previous uh, authorities uh, with uh, the inclusion of the 60 uh, women uh, yeah. the, the women quarter that was uh, you know properly provided for by the constitution mm -hmm. it also provides uh, you know a gap that we have always known the gap between uh, you know the males and the females now because it also brings forward women as people who are capable people who has got the capacity to carry the vision of the country forward and people who are also capable uh, of debating and putting forward the ideas opinions and agendas uh, that will benefit the well-being of the people of Zimbabwe Mm -hmm. And speaking of um, <clears throat> the gender issue, yeah, uh, my concern with the ninth parliament is mm -hmm. the representation of women. Yeah. We have actually regressed. Uh, if you look at the eighth parliament mm -hmm. in terms of the percentage representation of women, uh, our commitment through SADAC and other international instruments is to achieve gender parity. And the constitution also binds us to achieve gender parity. But uh, in, in terms of the representation of women, we have not been able to do that. The SADAC gender protocol um, uh, enjoined us to achieve gender parity by 2015. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we are still far off the mark. And it's, it's a sad indictment for all the political parties that contested this, uh, this recent election. election yeah. They, they, they have not been 
you know serious in terms of i um addressing the issue of gender parity we this parliament may need to put that issue on the on the table to say how do we achieve what the constitution says in terms of gender representation mm-hmm. and, and and other issues around diversity yes. because the gender dimension is also reflected even in the cabinet uh, appointments because um, there was uh, less uh, female representation across mm. the board across all political parties in the in the national assembly and therefore in in the senate and and you see a bit of that also in 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 other aspects of uh, human endeavor in zimbabwe and that's an issue that i submit must be addressed by this parliament within the five-year period that it has mm-hmm. It's uh, Ask the MP, and uh, we have uh, tonight uh, in the studio Southern African Parliamentary Supporter Trust Program Advisor Philip Muziri and also a legal practitioner, uh, Agency Gumbo. We want to take a short break. When we come back, we'll look at uh, the questions that uh, you listeners are sending in. But having my questions, I show my contributions. I'm going to on our WhatsApp. And uh, let me also remind that our WhatsApp number is 0731168045. For those who want to be uh, sending in their comments, uh, uh, contributions, or questions in so far as ninth parliament is uh, concerned, and also look at the expectations that you have uh, for the ninth uh, parliament. MP will be right back after these messages. Ask the MP by sending your questions via Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash ZFM Stereo or Twitter at ZFM Stereo or SMS call or WhatsApp on 0772-168045. Welcome back uh, to Ask uh, the MP. Perfect Joanne is my name, ZFM Stereo is the station, and uh, we are discussing expectations of the ninth uh, parliament, uh, what you have in mind, what you think needs to be uh, dealt with, what you think uh, the eighth parliament did not achieve, that uh, the ninth parliament should uh, also focus on. And uh, our number, it's... Uh, Zero seven three one one six eight zero four five for those who want to send in their questions, contributions, and uh, in this program. Uh, as uh, we uh, continue with this program, uh, let me ask you this question from uh, a listener. Uh, the question says, uh, "Who is uh, the deputy speaker uh, of Parliament?" The president of Senate and uh, the deputy Dibaba Comfort from the elections that were conducted today, who uh, became uh, deputy speaker. Well, um, is that mine? It's his. <laughs> the deputy speaker of parliament is uh, Mike Nyam- Nyambuya. Yes, National Assembly. National National Assembly is Titi Honorable Titi Gezi. That's the National Assembly. Deputy Speaker. And the Speaker is Honorable Advocate Dender. Now, Senate, Kwakamira Seiko Senate. My understanding, uh, because this was work in progress later in the day, yeah. uh, that uh, Honorable Chinomona uh, won the, the Senate uh, uh, seat. Um, 
then the deputy uh, must be retired general mike nyambui now uh someone here says uh, um, uh, where is that question um, okay I'll, I'll, I'll read that question but uh, let's move on what role should parliament play in uh, the drive towards sustainable economic growth um, I will start with you agents the role that parliament must play to drive uh, economic growth sustainably right the i think the the greatest role in that regard is that of their oversight because uh you notice that economic development in a country really depends or hinges upon the strength and accountability of the, its various institutions and as the constitution clearly says that all these institutions must then become accountable to parliament it means that, that right there indirectly parliament is given a big brother role to all these institutions to ensure that the agenda that is set out as the development agenda of the country is fulfilled and there is no lagging behind, there is no incompetence, there is no corruption. So the parliamentary portfolio committees must be seen coming in and acting on the various ministries that are on the various institutions that fall right under their portfolio to ensure that whoever is given the role to lead such institutions is uh you know accountable number one and there's deliverables that even the parliament itself will come and monitor and say look what have you done for this period of time i think yeah. now it, sh it should be the time that parliamentary portfolio committees sit on a more regular basis to ensure that at every given time there is something that they are monitoring there's something that they are uh, also even issues to do with the budget itself to you know to see that parliament has got to be very hands-on in as uh, far as the priority set up of the budget that we are going to be well we are going to have particularly in 2019 now mm -hmm. you know the budget is going to be announced very soon yeah. we need to see parliament taking an active role in going back to their communities uh, parliamentarians going back to their constituencies consulting their constituents uh, constituents and coming back to parliament and giving positive feedback in a as far as how the budget itself must be structured and the priority areas uh, of, of the budget that is that will be announced mm, very critical is this happening where parliamentarians go back to the constituencies to the people to say a uh, budget uh, so that they also have input they do um, and uh, speaking of the budget there's what they call the re-engineered budget process in terms of which stakeholders must be involved at every phase of the budget cycle mm. and it, it, it's a it's a it's a, it's a matter that everyone must have an interest in uh, in terms of ensuring that at the initiation stage in terms of formulation of the government policy in respect of the budget you know members of parliament are involved they interrogate the process and they give feedback to their stakeholders mm -hmm. and and at, at, when the actual budget is then crafted they also take part in that process interrogate it and and also give feedback to their stakeholders um, members of this particular parliament must be uh, more critical in terms of uh, interrogating government policy because it's it's the pre uh, prerogative of the executive to actually craft the policy that shapes the direction the country takes uh, in terms of its development trajectory but it is the uh, duty of parliament to interrogate that policy to, to ensure that it actually matches the direction that they want to to take if um 
parliament fails in that regard and fails to give feedback to their stakeholders, then they will be remiss in their obligations as, mm -hmm. as, as, as an institution. Yes, we have a contribution here from uh, Hillary. He says, uh, I want to see uh, the parliament tracking down on the $15 billion uh, which disappeared under the previous cabinet or administration. The Minister of Sports to develop sports at a grassroots level. Finance Minister to cut down on government spending. Uh, and uh, he also says, how much does this parliament, uh, he actually uses the word bloated, parliament and Senate cost the taxpayer money. I think this is very, very significant to to talk about. Um, anyway, let's, uh, let's uh, look at... Uh, uh, issues around uh, uh, CDF. I know at one point uh, parliamentarians were given that money to make sure that there is development uh, in in their constituencies, mm -hmm. uh, respective constituencies. Now, corruption and uh, we saw pakaita abuse in some instances. What do you think uh, should be done to make sure that there are uh, safety nets? Mm -hmm. If it's released, uh, well, we should roles and functions where you know sort of uh, uh modified we said at the onset could marose parliament ndakati akati akati when you then give members money kuti endemo no spend in your constituencies mm -hmm. personal legal framework to regulate that entire process you create a situation oh. where there is potential for abuse of public resources the role of members is not developmental. Members oversee developmental policies implemented by the executive through the national uh, policy called the budget. Yeah. So if you then say my members are also uh, to run developmental projects themselves using public resources without creating the necessary legal framework, you create potential for problems. Mm. And 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 government resources are utilized in terms of an established uh, legal from framework treasury instructions the finance uh, public finance and management act which do not seem to apply in terms of you know constituency development fund that's why you had those problems we need to ask ourselves do we want members to be running a, a, a parallel budget when the uh, executive are running the national budget and, and, and then see how it works. That model was actually taken from such jurisdictions as India where members have a, a, you know, a sort of a budget that is directed towards their constituencies. But I'm certain that in those jurisdictions they have a watertight legal framework to ensure that public resources are not put to waste. And we did not do a sufficient uh, 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 you know, background work before that money was created as, as a constituent development fund. That's why we saw the problems that we saw. We saw that coming when we gave members that money. Mm -hmm. uh, agency. Yeah, well, very, very true about the uh, legal framework not existing that supported or that uh, ensured the proper usage of the constituent development fund. Mm. So, you know, it was more like giving the MP pocket money. 
constituents will not develop. But there was there were no structures that were put in place by government itself to ensure that uh, the spending of this uh, constituent development fund was monitored and also to ensure that it adhered to a particular set uh, budget for its constituency. But nonetheless, you it's, it's not all mm. MPs who yes, yes, yes. abused and manipulated this constituent yeah, yeah. development fund. So we also need to mention that there were certain individuals that set what I can call a president in as, in as far as how to manage the Constituent Development Fund because you, we saw most MP, some of uh, the good MPs would go back and invest this money into their constituency development office which was basically a body that was meant to execute the developmental agenda of the MP in that particular constituency because remember when these MPs come to us it is myself, people like myself and my brother here who properly understand the distinct role of parliament. Mm. But the people that the MPs go to, even the MPs themselves, they yeah, misrepresent yeah, yeah. that which they are supposed to be doing for the people that vote for them. Do they the understand what they are supposed because to do? Because they go there and say, you know, I will make sure there is a bridge here, I will build a road for you here, and they forget that they are now overstepping into other or into the executive function of government whereas their role is really to oversee policy and uh, to ensure that uh, there is legislative uh, uh, reform in the country and the like asivanu you know they don't understand that they want their MP to come and ensure that Mapotos are varwa and the like mm-hmm. so we had mm-hmm. certain MPs who knew that there was a mandate that they promised to the people mm-hmm. And with this financing, the Constituent Development Fund, they would go back to the people and ensure that whatever promise they made, if there's a bridge that needed to be to be built, the money is dedicated towards that. Though that is a function of uh, the executive, they will still do that. So, yes, the most important thing, though, we can never run away from, and for future purposes, that there needs to be a legal framework that regulates and manages the disbursement and usage and account, ac- accounting of the constituency development fund otherwise it would be mere pocket money in uh, some greedy mp's pockets mm-hmm. workshops with uh, parliamentarians and uh, where you uh, teach them inform them and uh, do you think they they, they have an, an understanding of what it is they're supposed to be doing well um we actually supplement the work that parliament itself does uh you will notice that after the elections that were conducted today parliament adjourned to a future date i believe the 18th or so uh of of this month the what happens during this period is members are taken through the paces because we have uh, a high turnover rate in terms of uh, you know mm-hmm. every election mm-hmm. so there there's a preponderance of new MPs in yeah, the yeah. ninth parliament so in consequence parliament takes them through the paces what are your roles what are your functions what is expected of you and we supplement that uh, you know in, uh, by also um, making endeavors to build the capacity of uh, members in terms of what is expected of them and beyond the members we also make endeavors to um, build the capacity of uh, members of the public and civil society to ensure that they also know what 
uh, the roles and functions of parliament are so that when this information is shared across the board it helps to ensure that we do not expect members to perform functions that are beyond their mandate mm-hmm. as, as parliamentarians and therefore we we color our expectations in accordance to what the constitution provides mm-hmm. we do not expect them to build bridges and 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 and, and to uh, be at every funeral and so on we expect them to discharge the functions that are uh, mandated by the constitution mm-hmm. so those are things that we attempt to do uh, but uh, we, well th- those they, they are always challenges in terms of uh, funding and, and and so on um, but the state also has an obligation to ensure that people know this constitution I think it's section 6 or so mm-hmm. which actually says the state must ensure uh, that there's public awareness of this constitution and we hope that in the uh, next uh, financial uh, cycle of the state, mm-hmm. they will make provision for that public uh, public awareness, so that yeah. politicians do not uh, promise to build a bridge where there's no river. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, uh, for those who want to send in their questions uh, or who want uh, to send in their expectations for the ninth parliament, uh, the WhatsApp number is zero seven three one one six eight zero four five. Zero seven three one one six eight zero four five tonight. As program is discussing expectations on uh, the ninth parliament. Yakabaku Gadswam Zwamashumanene up for end today. They were electing speaker of parliament and the uh, president of the senate. Now, uh, earlier we spoke about uh, uh, involvement here parliament in uh, issues uh, to do with the budget. Uh, what is uh, required to ensure that national budgetary projections, allocations and implementation meet the priority sectors uh, which which drive the economy? Well, well. Um, when when they um, do the uh, crafting of the budget, mm. um, Parliament and the executive actually meet. There's a pre-budget seminar where they discuss what the executive's priorities are in terms of the policy direction that they want to take. They will uh, share with Parliament, this is what we want to achieve uh, in the next 12 months, and these are our priorities. So, um, when the budget is eventually crafted, Parliament also go through that budget and look at the numbers and say, uh, and, 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 and interrogate whether the numbers match the policies that the executive have said these are our priorities so during the course of the implementation of that budget Mm. parliament must then track to see uh, if the numbers and the conduct on the ground in terms of the implementation of the budget are matching are the numbers matching what the executive sought out to do and budget tracking helps parliament to ensure that uh, the policy beacons that the executive have set are the, the the direction uh that the executive are going towards yeah and 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 the entire budget cycle ensures that uh members can keep track of what is happening um members of the executive report on a regular basis in terms of the public finance and Manage- management act yeah they are re- uh, required to report on a quarterly basis so parliament can track uh the extent to which the executive are still within 
uh, you know, the, 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 the budget uh, in terms of the uh, framework that they set for the financial year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I have uh, also another contribution here uh, from a listener who says, uh, uh, in as much as uh, we're discussing uh, the important issues pertaining to parliament uh, and uh, parliamentarians, I have a question. Does the government have a financial mark for an individual to be part of parliament? Uh, and he explains, he says, in the sense that uh, before an individual is put uh, to represent the people, he or she must have a certain amount in his bank account or her bank account so that corruption and frivolous usage of development funds is minimized. But there's, 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 there's really, look, I, I understand yeah. the moral argument yes. uh, you know, behind the listener's contribution. Yeah. I think it, it really makes sense if we are to look at, at it and think into making it some form of a law in yeah. the future. But as of now, there is no monetary restriction for who can run for parliament. In fact, the constitution, uh, you know, guarantees it as a right that a person has got a right to vote and also has a right to be voted for as long as they satisfy set uh, requirements. And the only really restricting requirement that we have in the constitution for want to be elected as a member of parliament uh, is that is the age restriction. Uh, You know, you know, the moment you are 21 years old of age, you can be elected as a member of parliament. So the the, the financial element, though I understand the reasoning and the argument, because you want to avoid to have people that get into office to represent you, but at the same time, they have got to fill up their pockets first. Mm -hmm. Because you know, people are are human beings. We are human beings. So we are human beings. So the moment... I, I'm at a place where I have access to resources. Yeah. The first priority normally is myself. Mm-hmm. So the argument there makes sense in that it requires certain individuals who go into public office yeah. with the heart of serving the people that elected them into office. And I think it's, it's a debate and a discourse that must continue uh, among Zimbabweans yes. and that we must ensure it becomes law sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, yes, you... you I, I, I think one of the defining... Uh, uh, you know factors of any democracy is the extent to which it 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 includes or excludes its citizens yeah, yeah. once we you know we we we, <laughs> we determine that only the rich should be in leadership positions then we exclude the majority of the people uh-huh. um, it, it, that does not you know take into account the diversity of our population and that is why in 2013 we said anyone can contest for public mm-hmm. office and, mm-hmm. and and i think that's a fairer way of looking at and it and the only restriction is age yes age and citizenship yes, and the, you know the registration yeah. requirement that you must be a registered voter mm-hmm. so i i think that's a, a more fairer way of uh, you know determining who leads who us, leads us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay as as we're wrapping up um i'll, I'll start with you uh, mr muziri what would you say or what is your list uh, so that uh, the listener at home is is able to to pick up uh, what is your list of things that you think the ninth parliament should deal with uh, my colleague uh, spoke about the economy we need to address the economy uh, the army of the unemployed on our streets uh, is a ticking time bomb uh, we need to address how we relate to 
uh, other countries, both uh, regionally and internationally, you know, that also speaks to issues of how investors look at us as a country. Uh, I, I think all of us sometimes, you know, get to be asked when we travel abroad, um, wh what is the, you know, state of the situation in your country and, and, and so on. And I, I think we need to address that. What could make investors uh, uneasy about Zimbabwe? Mm -hmm. I'm sure part of that relates to the legal framework that we have in place. We need to address that. We need to uh, address a lot of other things. Uh, you know, um, a lot of stakeholders raised a number of conflict points in terms of uh, not only the electoral field, but uh, other aspects of our legal framework that may have problems being consistent with the constitution. Yeah. We need to put all those things behind us and move on and move forward as a, as a country. Mm -hmm. Agency, ta kushika kumapeto. But uh, before I I also ask you to give me a list of uh, uh, what you, you, you want this parliament to deal with. Um, there is a listener here who says Isho zozo kusada kuisa mutemu kuti muna aite declare assets. Kuti, we are not serious uh, about curbing corruption, <laughs> but you you spoke about uh, then excluding uh, the majority if uh, if uh, that uh, is done then there's uh, no issue yet democracy agency want to say something yeah I want to say something with regards to that I think there's a difference between uh, excluding people on the basis of their financial position and the requirement for every public office holder to declare assets because the declaration of assets assists uh, the monitoring mechanism of parliament itself monitoring mechanism of the government and even uh, public monitor monitoring mechanisms because we know when you get into office if you have one car Mm -hmm. And we know what salary because the salary that you get as an MP, we know it. It's not. It's, it's, it's of public knowledge. There's reason for people to want to interrogate how you got. We're not saying you cannot get uh, 10 cars, 10 cars yeah. as a parliamentarian, but we are saying that as long as we know how much you had when you got in, it's easier for us to interrogate and investigate how you got the rest when during the uh, period of your term. So uh, the, the, the issue of declaration of assets is an internationally recognized standard and we need to uphold that as a nation mm -hmm. so that we know that our public of office holders are not there in order to amass wealth for themselves, but they are there to do exactly what is required by the title of their job, public servants. Mm -hmm. Right. Your list. Well, I think uh, the, first, the first thing that I think Parliament should do is to create monitoring mechanism and i'm talking of uh, both the legal framework and even uh, the political will to do so yeah you yeah. understand that uh, for our country to move forward in as far as the economy is concerned mm -hmm. we've got to be able to have checks and balances yes. that are strict and uh and that are very loyal to the constitution more than they are loyal to the various political parties i think there is also need uh for parliament to look into the investment laws of the country mm -hmm. uh there's need to for, for parliament to look into the property laws of the country there are concerns that have been raised by various as players, uh, international players in as far as investing in Zimbabwe is concerned and for us to be able to protect not just foreign direct investment but also to protect, uh, you know, indigenous investment, yeah. there needs to be strict security around issues to do with title, uh, land title yeah. Yeah. that needs to be addressed, the land issue has got to be addressed, mm -hmm. addressed. parliament has got to, uh, you know, embark on a uh, aggressive land audit uh, exercise to ensure 
that uh, even it's, 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 it's curtailed and uh, things are put to their best use, that is to develop uh, the economy of the country. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let me uh, at this time uh, take this opportunity to thank uh, Mr. Philip Muziri, the program advisor, Southern African Parliamentary Support Trust, who was uh, with us in tonight's uh, program. And also uh, to thank Agent Gumbo, a, a lawyer who also uh, managed to come to the program. This program is brought to you by ZFM in conjunction with the Southern African Parliamentary Support Trust. My name is Perfect Shumane standing in for Farai Makutoya. We call it Good Evening. Ask the MP by sending your questions via Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash ZFM Serial or Twitter at ZFM Stereo or SMS call or WhatsApp on 0772 168 045.